for me, there was a lot of a lot of crying. But then after that day, I think my body just went into complete shock. Like I had uncontrollable shakes. I couldn't I couldn't think straight. I couldn't focus. I, I felt completely out of control. Welcome to Talking in Common, a podcast of all things lifestyle, family, relationships, well-being, kids, and culture. This is not a how-to, but an insight into the lives of ourselves and others and how we all manage to get by. Hosted by myself, Kate Gadinsky, and my co-host, Sophie Panton. Take a listen and let's find out what we all have in common. Welcome back to season two of Talking in Common and our first episode, Soph. Hi, beautiful Kate. I'm so excited that we are back here. I'm not excited that we're recording remotely. Can you believe it? Deja vu. Bit of context for everyone. We are lucky enough to be in Victoria, the state not to be right now because we are currently in lockdown. Once again, lockdown four for us. Happy days. Lockdown number four, I now have a daughter. Well, of course, I've got a daughter. I have two, but I have a daughter in prep. So it is also remote learning for us, which I think I'm learning a lot from it as well as I hope Nina Rose is too. I was thinking about this the other day. I forgot that that was new for you. Like I forgot that you weren't doing it last year. She's in her first year of school. So that's completely new. It is completely new. How's it going? (laughs) Look, it's hectic. I'm not going to lie. But so far, it's running pretty smoothly. The technology is quite funny. Um, Listening to a whole group of five and six-year-olds sort of communicate to each other through screens whilst trying to learn, you know, the teachers are doing an amazing job though. So good on them. So cute. Uh, Hopefully by the time we release this, let's just pray to the virus gods that we are out of this lockdown and a lot more of our country gets vaccinated and we are free to roam the streets once more. But at the moment, yes, we are recording remotely and let's just call it that this is what we've got in common this week. (laughs) Recording remotely and being in lockdown. (laughs) Being in lockdown, yeah. So it's so nice to finally though be recording again. This is our second season as mentioned before and we have a wonderful bag of guests coming up, don't we? A mixed bag, I should say, Soph. Such a mixed bag. I'm really, I'm actually really excited to have the conversations with all these different characters, different people. We've got like midwives, actresses, um, nutritionists, singers, Chinese doctors. Who else have we got in the mix? Well, even a footy player and we'll be talking to our first dad soon. So exciting. That'll be coming (gasps) up soon actually. So we're excited about that. Yeah, we're, we're just excited to have the conversations with, with all of these different people, you know, hear how they live their lives, hear what they've got to say, hear what we've got in common. Hopefully we can do these conversations in person. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah, lockdown fingers crossed. pending. God, if we have to do this whole season in lockdown again, honestly. Oh, my God. Anyway, it's the world we live in these days and we're not here to complain about it. It is what it is. No. It's just totally meh in my opinion. So... We do have a little bit of a new theme kind of that we're going to be exploring through season two, which is general wellness and well-being. Mm. Why well-being, my love? (laughs) Well, I think well-being for us, it's sort of been a natural progression given I guess the last year and also the last few months for me in particular. Obviously, today we're going to be talking about my recent experience with losing my 
beautiful father. So I have been navigating through grief, which is very new for me. Actually, as I'm saying this, my heart is starting to race really, really quickly. Mm. Um, And I think, you know, just trying to find ways to kind of get through this period, to kind of look after my body, look after my general health, um, Mm. and also, you know, be a, a good present mother and wife for my family and a good friend. So for me, it's very important to get on top of that at the moment. It's something that we talk about all the time, isn't it? Like, you know, not only just the paradox of parenthood, but it's an interest that you and I have both shared. Like we've always been real guinea pigs in a sense. Like we love to try out new fads or, you know, health tips, health hacks, like all this sort of thing. Like it's always been an interest of mine. And I think like on reflection after having a baby in the last uh, almost 18 months, it's been a really peculiar way to enter parenthood or motherhood during this pandemic. And as much as I have been loving it, I have had happy times, I have had tough times. I think on reflection, I really think that I'm actually just suffering from a bit of emotional burnout. And it's a weird world that we live in. And I know everyone's going to relate on some level in that way that yeah. Yeah, I think just with the world we live in today with, you know, even pandemic aside, just like modern society is so hectic, pressures on women in particular, I find really difficult once you become a mother. The outside pressures, isn't it? Yeah. And it creates yep. this constant like chatter in your brain. Just mm. constant, you know, mum guilt. Yeah, mum guilt's a good one. You and I both have talked about suffering from anxiety and for me it's um a constant work in progress, working on that. I think it's, yeah, as you said, we've sort of naturally gone down this path of exploring this, not just, you know, for you and I, but for our audience, for our listeners, and also just with our guests as well. I'm reading this book at the moment, which is called Burnout, and they use this analogy with a test that they did on some mice where they entice them with some cheese and then also use a pretend owl as a scare factor, a way to scare them away and see how they react. And they show this really clear example of how if you have a goal and a focus to work towards, and in this case, it's the piece of cheese, you can really overcome your fears to get there. But if you allow your fear to control your actions, we naturally retreat and retract into the safety of that emotion. So for me, that's given me a really clear direction in just setting some healthy goals to work towards and not allowing my anxieties or my fears or um, the unsettled feelings that I get from such a sort of unstable world that we live in at the moment. And so that's my intention for myself at the moment. And that's um, a little bit of, you know, my intention for this season of the podcast as well. I think setting yourself goals and setting yourself tasks and things that you want to work towards or things that you want to complete and having them written down so you can look at them, you know, daily if you choose, it does really help you kind of stay focused, stay motivated and not kind of get in your own head too much and and let those negative thoughts kind of take over. Actually, I think we did speak about this last season, but during last lockdown, I can't remember which one, whether it was one, two or three. Um, yeah, who knows? Actually, 
writing massive lists, like a big list. So it was in big writing and we would stick it on our fridge or on our wall and mm-hmm. it would be like certain things that we wanted to complete in that week or certain things we wanted to do together, whether it was as a family or things we wanted to do individually and having things to kind of look forward to and work towards made such a difference to my overall, I should, I guess, well-being. And that's um, a really good point actually, like working towards things as a family as well. Like we do talk a lot about personal well-being like we just did and we do talk a lot about self-care, which we're definitely going to explore more during this season. But, you know, self-care is a bit of a, you know, token phrase of the moment, isn't it? And I think well-being definitely expands well beyond self-care, but there's a lot to be said about caring for yourself. You know, we all know that in a house, if the mum's happy, the mum's well looked after, then the whole family is harmonious. So even though it can be looked upon as a bit tokenistic, um, I think you and I both really do believe that it's an important way of should not be a priority. only caring for yourself but your whole family. Yeah, it should be a priority. So with that... <laughs> We do have some exciting news to share. Recently, we've formed a bit of a, I guess you could call it a friendship. Would you call it a friendship? Totally. <laughs> With leading health and wellness brand Swiss and its parent company, H&H Group. Soph and I are so excited about this. We both just feel really grateful that they've taken a particular interest in our passion to make this podcast you know, more accessible to different communities, in particular the deaf and hard of hearing community. I'm not sure if if you're listening to us now, if you're aware that this is something we embarked on in our first season as we had all of our episodes translated into Auslan. Given that podcasts are such an audio-based experience, it was something we talked about very early on and saw a huge exclusion just based on that. And I think with our focus on wellness and wellbeing in this season, there was a natural alignment with Swiss and H&H. But there's so much advice and wellness information out there these days, like everywhere you look, it can be a little, it can be a little tiring or even like a little exhausting, exhausting oh. sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so much of that isn't available to different audiences. So we honestly are so delighted that Swiss felt the same and wanted to come on board and work together on this. Yay. Particular, yeah, particularly with the filming of our Auslan videos, which you can check out on our website. We have had heaps of ideas that we've shared with them and we're really looking forward to a really great ongoing partnership so or friendship. Yay. So stand by, people. We just wanted to share that with you. It's super exciting for us and, yeah, as we've been saying, it's just our little contribution of being more inclusive And we're so happy that they're on board. Yes, and we will share more about that, you know, as the season kind of unfolds. Unfolds, yes, that is true. So more to come about our friendship with Swiss. But I think we should get into today's episode. Yeah. How are you feeling? Are you ready? You ready to do this? Look, I don't know if this is something I will ever say that I feel 100% ready to do or to talk about in this sort of um, space isn't the right word. Mm. I feel comfortable obviously talking about it with you, but Mm. this is quite a confronting thing for me to discuss. So anyway, let's give it a go. (laughs) At any moment, but you know, you, you don't want to talk about it. You just say, my love. I shall. So 
we had actually planned on launching this season much earlier in the year, but for me in particular, it's been one of the most challenging and difficult few months that I've ever been through. Um, it still feels deeply painful to say out loud that recently and very suddenly I lost my precious dad. Oh, darling. It's something I still haven't completely come to terms with. But in today's episode, I'm going to be opening up to Soph and sharing some of my experience and I guess just thoughts on my experience with grief so far. I should note that it's still quite recent for me and it was a very unexpected death. So this is purely how I'm feeling. This is not any guidelines on how to kind of navigate through grief. I don't think there is any guidelines on that. I don't think anyone can tell you how to grieve because it's such a different experience for every individual. Mm. So, I mean, not only have I been feeling mentally, physically and emotionally exhausted, but there's a lot of implications and challenges it can bring when you have young children as well, which I do. This is obviously not going to be an easy topic of discussion for me, given I am still very much in the early stages of grief, but it is something I feel is important to talk about. And I hope by sharing my feelings and thoughts maybe I can bring someone else some comfort. Absolutely, darling. And it is so fresh. It's super fresh. And I'm so proud of you for, you know, putting yourself out there in this forum to bring comfort to others. And, um, you know, losing a loved one is one of the hardest experiences we go through as humans. So today I have no doubt that you're feeling extremely emotionally vulnerable. You know, obviously even just showing your or allowing your emotions to come out just then it's you know it's just a sign of how fresh it really is for you so I am so so proud of you but we both know that openness and honesty is such an integral part of what we're practicing through this podcast and with the community that we're growing so it does feel important and as you just said Kate, it's important to you. So I'm all eyes and I'm all ears and I'm right beside you every step of the way. And you know I mean that well beyond this conversation. Oh, God, now I'm welling up. Oh, stop. <laughs> well, you have already been an incredible oh. um, support, constant support to me throughout these past couple of months. And I think that is something that's incredibly important when you do lose someone who's incredibly close to you or you know you have a loss having a support network around you is just crucial like you need that support and that just those friends or family members just checking in on you to make sure that you are okay and to keep the conversation going and to talk about the person that you've lost because I think that's really important. That was one of the things that I wanted to ask you today was you know how you feel about that in particular, you know, friends reaching out, friends mentioning it, even acquaintances or people on the street, you know, how do you feel about people bringing up that subject? Look, I think for me, it was an interesting time or has been an interesting time given that my father was someone who was very well known to the public. It was really, especially in those early days, quite hard to go out anywhere because you would constantly have someone, you know, obviously it was always with much respect and kindness and great intentions, but you would always have someone kind of coming up and saying, I'm so sorry, or, you know, asking if you're okay, 
or often people sharing their own experience or their own thoughts on it. And that can be quite hard to digest as well when you're sort of trying to let it all sink in and figure it out. But in saying that, I think, you know, with friends and family in particular, it is really important that you're checking in on someone when they have lost someone because it's a really fucking tough time. And, you know, your emotions are all over the place and they're ever changing and yeah. I think like death or the loss of a loved one is naturally an uncomfortable topic and some people feel more uncomfortable than others and some people find the courage to address it and some people ignore it and everyone deals with things in different ways but I think you know if you are the person suffering it's not like it's it ever leaves you but the time does go on and other people might forget about it but I think it's just always important to respect you know what someone's going through and find the courage within yourself even if it does make you feel awkward or uncomfortable it's so much more respectful and important emotionally for that person so absolutely and I think you know grief is a word I'm not sure I still know how to comprehend and I'm in the deep thickness of it right now with ever-changing emotions of, oh, God, it can be anything from, well, it's definitely a deep painful sadness but the shock factor as well when you lose someone really unexpectedly. Yeah, let's talk about that because because it was a huge shock, as you mentioned. And also I think it's really important to just mention here how close your relationship was with your dad. I don't think I know another father-daughter relationship as tight as yours was with your dad. So to have that, you know, ripped away in such a, as such a shock um, is honestly unimaginable. So talk to me about the shock factor. Yeah, so dad and I, as you mentioned, had an incredibly close bond. We would speak minimum two times on a daily basis, could talk to him about anything. You know, we were, we were incredibly close. And um, I feel very lucky that I spent a beautiful day with him two days before he passed away with you know, my whole family, with my mum and my brother and his partner and my husband and my, my two beautiful girls. So we did have a beautiful day together and it just shows that you really have no idea how life can quickly just so quickly turn around because he was completely fine. You know, there was no warning signs. He wasn't unwell. He the day before it happened, he was busy working. His mum said he went to bed happy that night and he never woke up. Getting that phone call at about, oh, it was very early hours of the morning, was something that I keep constantly playing over and over in my mind. I knew when the phone was ringing that something wasn't right yeah, I'll just never forget hearing my mum on the other end of the phone and I just I knew straight away that obviously he'd passed away. And I physically I went into this like, I, I mean, I can't even explain it. I just, I was, I was like, I physically was just screaming. I was hysterical. I was unconsolable initially. And Obviously, I left fairly quickly to get over to my parents' house. Unfortunately, I woke my eldest daughter, Nina, up 
with my distress, which is something that I've obviously, you know, the mum guilt comes in and she was quite distressed, I think, seeing me in that way. And then the fact that I then left to go and be with my mum and my brother and my father. So that's something that is playing over and over in my mind. I have quite intense, really strong visual flashbacks to what the room looked like when I was on the phone call and when I received the news, you know, getting to the house. But in some ways, I guess people could say that I'm lucky that I actually got to spend a couple of hours with him after he passed. And it was quite bizarre because thinking back to it, I, don't, I mean, I don't know how I feel about the situation, but it was nice to be able to to have that time with him. Not that I felt like I got to say goodbye, but just to see him for one last time. And obviously that's not really the way that you want to remember someone, but he did look peaceful. Oh, my heart breaks for you, but that's so beautiful. Did you question that at the time, whether you wanted to see him or not? Or was it just like, <sighs> you know, a burning I, um, instinct that you just wanted to be with him? Or I was trying to convince myself in my mind when I got there that he was, he hadn't actually passed away, that they'd made a mistake, that he was fine. Um, so that's how I initially went there and then obviously he had and, yeah, I guess I just had to kind of just, just sit there and, and just talk to him and be with him for his last, you know, couple of hours being in our family home. To have such a shock factor like that seems incredibly unfair. It's it's incredibly, incredibly hard to deal with. After that, I mean, that first day for me, there was a lot of a lot of crying. But then after that day, I think my body just went into complete shock. Like I had uncontrollable shakes. I couldn't I couldn't think straight. I couldn't focus. I, I felt completely out of control, like of my body. I couldn't. I couldn't think, I couldn't think properly. I couldn't think clearly. I was like, and then I had this kind of constant worry and guilt that I wasn't at home with my kids. I mean, I was going home to, to stay the night, but I was at my mum's house being with her and being with my brother and, and there was lots of sort of friends that were coming over there. But I then felt guilty that I wasn't with my kids, but also I didn't want my young kids to be with us there because everyone that they know and love was in such distress and was so upset and dealing with this you know this shock and I you know it was my choice I didn't really want them at that point to be exposed to that and and more so to be exposed to me being so gutted and just so heartbroken. So I want to ask you a little bit about sort of the emotional cycles that you mentioned before because you know grief can definitely trigger a multitude of emotions and as your friend you know sort of on the outside I have kind of witnessed you going through different emotions and quite quickly you know one day it might be shock another day you were more angry another day you were just incredibly sad tell me about that roller coaster so yeah I think that's a good way to, to put it emotional cycles I mean which that is forever changing for me. So I definitely had a period, a couple of weeks where I just felt incredibly angry and I don't think I'm angry at him. I mean, how can I be angry at him? It's not like he had a choice. He hasn't chosen to leave us, but 
you go through those feelings of feeling like, how could you do this? How could you leave? Like you've abandoned us, you've left. And then feelings of being angry, like why him? You know, why him? He's he's still young, you know. He was looking after himself. Like why is it him? Why is it his turn to go? So that kind of those mixed emotions and then angry of like why has this happened to me or all, all that kind of stuff. So that I went from that to there was about a week where I just literally felt completely numb. Like I didn't I didn't cry, which was so strange. I just felt so f- constantly flat and I almost just had like nothing could phase me, nothing could upset me, offend me, anything. I was just so numb and so kind of withdrawn from everything. And then, of course, you know, the the days of, you know, oh, today's, today, you know, I feel all right. And then all of a sudden just completely just losing it and bursting into tears and not being able to move for a few hours. It just constantly changes. And anxiety is something that has affected me quite a lot in the past anyway. I've always had a real fear and felt very anxious about death, particularly about losing, you know, someone close to you. So that's always been something that I've kind of feared and struggled with. So when this actually then happened to me, I just, yeah, it's kind of sent my mind into this complete freak out. Yeah, you've said that a lot, that your mind is totally scattered, that you can't like compartmentalize your thoughts you can't focus on one thing at a time but you've been very good at just taking it day by day and trying not to look too far into the future and just dealing with either the present moment or or the day ahead of you particularly at the start I knew that I couldn't I just had to take it day by day I had to focus on myself and I really had to just I could only take on what I could take on and I was finding it quite hard to be there for anybody else in those that early stages because I was really struggling to kind of process this. I mean, I still am and also like you're just constantly playing scenarios over in your mind of, you know, the whys, like what if I had have done this, would have that changed it or like the what ifs or, you know, you're always constantly looking to hindsight. Like a couple of days before dad had called me, he was in the area at a, an appointment. He said, oh, should I pop in? And we were out at the park on our way home. And I said, oh, no, you've got a bit of a sore back. You go home and relax. I'll see you tomorrow anyway. Like don't come over. And then three days later he passes away and you go, why did I do that? Like why didn't, but you know, that's hindsight. Or Yeah. And, and that's torturous, darling. Like that's that's torturing yourself but but I understand it I get it like how could you not consider it like that I get it and then there's also I guess like the physical kind of reactions that Mm. that your body kind of has which you know as mentioned before I did go through a bit of a stage where I was shaking a lot that's well and truly stopped but I think my body's been in a bit of a flight or fight mode and you know I've been having trouble with my sleeping and my digestion a little bit but then that constant anxiety that kind of overrides everything where you just have a tight chest and you feel like there's like a lump in the back of your throat it's how have you been coping or dealing with that aspect of it (sighs) apart from (sighs) self-medicating and drinking (laughs) 
<laughs> you texted yeah. me last night saying, I'm going to turn into a bottle of wine soon. <laughs> I literally am going to turn into a bottle of wine. Look, to be honest, yes, to get me through these early stages. I mean, I have been seeing a psychologist. I think it's so important to talk to someone. And yes, I have been taking a sleeping tablet when I need to take one or taking something to help me relax. I think I think that's okay. And I think especially when you are in that initial stage and you're, you know, you're you're grieving and you're in shock and you're not sleeping, like you need sleep, like you need to be able to function. And particularly like I've got two kids I need to look after and I've got a lot of support and I'm very lucky. But I also you know, I want to be the best mum I can for my kids and they they need me, you know, they're two and five. So yes, I have been, as you, <laughs> the word you put it, self-medicating, but just recently I have gotten back into doing a bit of exercise and I'm finding that's been a really great distraction and just getting outside and moving my body has actually been helping a lot. I make that sound like a bad thing, but you know, you're incredible the way that your default mode is you know often how do I do this the natural way first or what's the healthiest way to do this like you know I know you've been taking magnesium and you know all these other things to sort of help you sleep and trying to get back into meditation and trying to exercise and get out with the girls and all that sort of stuff but when it comes down to it like you know when you're going through the toughest thing you've ever been through in your life sometimes it's like the natural shit just ain't enough and you you got to do what you got to do to get by and protect yourself and like you said be there for your kids so i have actually been taking an incredible magnesium you're right and um trying to also you know not always taking sleeping tablets in the early days also trying like more of a natural approach like melatonin or but i think getting outside is very important as you said like i've been doing some guided meditations some days they work amazingly and then other days i'm just too much in my own head and I've just got to accept, you know what, like today this isn't going to work for me and that's okay. And then other days it sets me out well for the day. So you just sort of got to take it one day at a time. And that's such a good way to look at it, just accept what it is that you're feeling that day and practice acceptance and be kind to yourself, I think, at the end of the day is so important. Um, and just... I don't know, realising that your experience is your own and it's unique and that you can allow yourself to to cry, to be angry, to grieve, you know. You can respect yourself to just process and go through this experience for what it is because... Well, there's no manual on it. Like you can't know, as we sort of said earlier, like no two people will grieve the same way. Yes, we might feel the same emotions and, you know, whether it's sadness, shock, there's that like bargaining, there's like disbelief, there's anger, there's so many different things that you can feel and go through. Yeah. But there's no particular order and they come and go and they change and you might feel, you know, you might find some positives in something one day but then the next day you might be, feeling the complete opposite and be feeling angry mm. again and pissed off and and then sad mm. and then numb and then like it's just it constantly changes. So I think, you know, you've just got to respect yourself and give yourself the space and the time just to kind of slowly ride through those emotions. And I mean some of the best, best advice I've been given from other 
you know, people that I know who have also lost loved ones or parents as well is it doesn't get easier with time but you learn how to live and deal with your grief better. So at the start so many people would be like, you know, it'll just take time and you'll feel better. Uh, I don't think you're ever going to get over something like this, are you? No, no, because it's part of who you are. So I think that's uh, that's really good advice though. Parenting when you're going through grief is... Yeah, I definitely want to ask you more about that. You've mentioned it a couple of times, but, you know, you said in the early stages you didn't want to sort of expose Nina and Lulu to that very full-on environment, that sort of shocked environment in the early days. And, you know, as parents or as as mums or as humans, we're a very protective bunch. So I suppose that's just your natural instincts kicking in in that sense. But how have you dealt with it now going through the process? It's been about three months. And how do you, how do you feel about it now? Well, I mean, at the time it was a bit conflicting because, as I said, you know, the mum guilt kind of kicks in because – you want to give yourself that time to grieve but then you also want to be there being present and spending time with your kids and because you know their routine was thrown up a little bit and I wasn't you know I wasn't at home on and off for those first few weeks a lot because I was you know with my mum and with my brother and with my family kind of which you had to be dealing with everything yeah um but they were like craving all they wanted was me and they knew that something wasn't right obviously we explained it to Nina, my oldest daughter, but Lulu's too young to understand. And Lulu in particular, I've seen a massive change with her. She's so much more clingy. She only wants me at bedtime and her nap time. She gets upset whenever I leave the house and sometimes even the room. Like she's really, I think she's just like, where are you going? Like I think it really affected her, maybe kind of being a bit withdrawn for those first few weeks, which she never would have seen you like this. No. I think that was the, one of the first things that I said to you, like, I've never seen you like this. It was a shock to me. So I can only imagine, you know, her mummy and if something she's never experienced before. And then Nina, I mean, she she didn't sort of say much to me about it at the start. And then the more that I've sort of started to talk about dad with her and tell her you know mummy's feeling sad today or sometimes she'll say mummy are they are they tears in your eyes and I'll say yeah I miss my dad and she's been saying to me that's okay mummy you can talk to him in the sky and you know Nina she's very um she's a very I think she's quite an intuitive young girl and she's very sensitive and she's very you know very caring and so she's doing lots of little things that I know she's doing them because she wants to kind of make me happy. She thinks that that'll make me happy and she wants to look after me. And oh, She's a little angel. Yeah, now she's starting to randomly say, remember when I did this with Papa, which they called him oh, Papa. Or, wow. So she is now starting to sort of talk more about him, which for me is really nice mm. and I am feeling more comfortable now to kind of openly show my emotions in front of the girls even if I'm upset I do think it's important but I just didn't feel at the beginning when I was in such distress that Mm. I don't think there was any benefit in them seeing me like that yeah well I think just the way you were saying like the way that your mind was I don't think that you were in a stage of being capable to process how (laughs) what the right thing was to do or how you dealt with them at the time so I think that's all 
totally normal. But like, I also do agree with you that showing them your emotion, allowing yourself to cry, allow, you know, allowing yourself to be honest and mourn and, you know, process all of this in front of them does make you authentically human and and more credible to them you know it's important I think for children to to see that and witness that it's a good example and also like you can't when you're a mum or a dad or a parent you know you can't just sort of put your kids on hold while you go and sort out your feelings or sadness and loss you know exactly you have to keep moving and young kids need stability and also for my girls you know, they would be grieving this loss as well in their own way. So I need to be, I need to be respectful of that and be there for them as well. So it's mm. kind of finding that balance and yeah, it's it's full on. Yeah, it's it's, full on. it's not an easy balancing act. But one metaphor that comes to my mind as a reminder for you is yeah. the airplane oxygen mask instruction which flight attendants give you when you get on the plane and that is in order to help your children you must help yourself first so just remember that well I'm no good to anybody else if I'm not looking after myself am I exactly I am trying to do that now now I'm trying to do that yeah yeah and it's not easy but you know just a reminder I guess one other thing I have to say the kids have taught me is resilience, you know, you have to keep going. There's no other option. And if I don't, you know, if I just lie in bed and just just cry and just hide away, like I'm no good to my kids or my husband or you, like my friends or family, I have to look after myself. So it is important. It's really important. It's extremely important. So another thing that I wanted to chat to you about was that I have been noticing that you're really searching for something through this experience and whether that is, um, you know, you've been sort of saying that you've been looking for signs um, very early and very early on in the process you started talking about this sort of stuff and you sort of went through stages of feeling a bit um, annoyed or angry that you weren't getting any signs. Um, So what, you know, what is it that you've been searching for? I think... Because Dad and I were so close and I have always been someone who's been very open-minded to there is there is something else out there. Like you don't just you don't just die. There's something else happens. Now this is this is just my opinion. I don't have proof of this, but I'm very I'm open-minded to this kind of stuff. And um I guess given that we were so close, initially, straight away I was like, where is he? Like, where are the signs? Why, why aren't I feeling a connection? You know? Other friends and family, you know, we'd be at my family home and everyone would be like, can't, you know, he's everywhere, can't you feel him? And I'd be like, no, I can't. Like, why can't, what do you mean? Like, is everyone manifesting this? Can they, are they having a connection? Is it because we're in their home? Like, what is it? And I wasn't feeling, so I was constantly searching and looking and I've been talking to him and and I just haven't, couldn't find that connection. I was, it was getting me quite um agitated and quite upset to be honest but I think one thing that my husband said to me he's like you know you're going through so many different emotions and you're in such a deep state of grief that maybe you're not really opening yourself up to it like up to seeing those signs if that makes any sense so as much as I thought I was I maybe I am blocking them maybe I'm not ready Mm. to kind of have that connection yet 
I don't know, but I um, I did go and see a psychic medium. You actually drove me there. Couldn't let you go and do that on your um, own. <laughs> which I was a bit concerned. Oh, I, I was, was worried. Like, I wasn't sure what the experience was going to bring for you and because I felt like it was still so fresh, I just didn't want you to have a negative experience and be, you know, frightened by it. But, yeah, tell, tell us about that experience. I'm actually still trying to process process the experience. I'm really glad that I went. I had a pretty amazing experience. You know, there was some things that came up and there is no way that the lady that I went to see could know these things. Like it is impossible. She could not find it anywhere. Like she knew very personal, specific things about me, about my dad, about my family. So I did have a, you know, pretty good experience. Also some pretty confronting things came up as well. So she was a psychic medium, so it's basically someone that makes connections with the deceased, right? Yeah, and actually this lady can also make connections with living beings with their souls as well. That's a whole other story. You were saying that. That's crazy. I'd never actually heard of that. Yeah, so so she does. So she makes connections with, with souls or with spirits and, look, I... I don't know what I got from it yet. I'm still trying to process it, but I did have a positive experience. And for me, I did feel like I got a little bit of connection out of it. So I'm glad that I went. It's certainly not something that's for everyone. And maybe at a in a later episode when I'm kind of feeling a little bit more, a little bit more comfortable with everything that's going on, maybe I'll share a bit of insight into that. I think it was like I just really admire that you are putting yourself in these positions to um, open your heart and open your mind and, and you know, give yourself the opportunity to process this and get th- through this. I really, I really admire that in you. Do you feel like that experience did allow you to maybe break down some of those barriers or open your heart or your mind a little bit more to some signs? Look, yes and no. I I mean, as I said before, some of the things that came up were so specific and so personal, it made the experience feel very real. So in some ways, yes, like it sort of clarified a couple of things for me, but I'm still kind of trying to find that, that connection in my heart that I hope I will find and I'm sure that I will. But I think if I'm being really honest right now, like I still feel like I haven't fully processed that I've lost my father. I still feel like I'm kind of watching from afar. Like I feel like I'm watching someone else's world and I'm not actually living in it. (laughs) But that's just how I feel today. Yeah, good point. And how do you feel about moving forward? (sighs) It's still kind of day by day but I actually read something the other day that really sort of resonated with me and – I'll read it. It was, grief is basically love flipped. It's the price you have to pay for the miracle of being able to love your loved ones. So. So true. My God, that's so true, isn't it? So while I know that with time I'll be able to deal with, you know, my feelings better and I'll learn to live with them better, I think the one thing for me personally that's going to be the hardest is really coming to terms with the fact that I will never, ever be able to see or speak to my father again. So that's, in terms of moving forward, that's one thing that I feel incredibly anxious about. But in saying that, 
I'm so lucky. I have a beautiful mum. I have a beautiful husband, loving brother, like my beautiful girls. I'm very lucky and I need to just try and practice the art of living in the moment and being present and enjoying the times with my family. You're amazing, darling. I honestly respect you more now than I ever have and I mean you know the huge respect that I had have for you but the resilience and strength that you have shown through this experience has been mind-blowing to me the fact that you just get up every day and get on with things you put on a happy face you know you treat everyone around you with such gratitude and such respect and 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 kindness um, in the midst of going through such a heartbreaking and, you know, torturous time in your life. I, I'm i so proud of you and I love you. Mm, thank you, darling. Well, I wouldn't have been able to get through these past couple of months without your love and support and friendship. So I'm so appreciative of that. And I feel very lucky to have that, the connection that we have and also have you there as such a supportive friend because in times like this, you know, as we said at the start, it is really important to have have that support. So I'm very lucky too. And I just want to say to anyone listening to this episode, I feel like a lot of probably what I've said today has been quite um, deep or heavy or hasn't been very enlightening. But, you know, as mentioned, I am still early in my grief journey. So it's kind of a reflection of how I've been feeling and hopefully, you know, so further on down the track, you and I can talk about this again and I might have a completely different outlook on it. I think you'll find though, darling, the way that people interpret this is actually extremely positive and that's what I mean when I say like, you know, the resilience and strength that you have is amazing and it's a fucking heavy topic so it, it wouldn't heavy. be honest if um, we breezed over it and you said everything's fine and dandy and all is okay in the world so I'd be talking bullshit if I, if I said that to be honest I mean even thinking about recording this today I was lying in bed last night just worrying about the not worrying about it but just playing over thoughts and feelings and things in my mind which is interesting because I'm basically just talking about what I'm living through so I, sh I shouldn't have been worrying about it but Anxiety, it'll get you every time. It's just naturally what we do. Naturally what we do best, isn't it? Just anyway, worry. maybe we should move along. I really hope that I have shared some comfort with anyone who may be listening who has experienced recent grief or actually just doesn't even have to be recent or who is going through grief or is still on their grieving journey, which is a journey I think will never end. I think it's a constant process that you have to work through. But... I think I've shared enough, so let's move on to – that's funny, hey? Shared enough. Let's move on to our segment. Sharing, Sharing is caring. A <laughs> little bit of a change of pace. You are quite right, but in true talking in common style, we are sticking to our segments and today we've got a really special – version of Sharing is Caring. We've really upped the ante with Sharing is Caring this season and we are inviting a beautiful special guest onto the segment today and her name is Jo Beecher and Joey is the founder and CEO of her Melbourne-based massage and beauty practice, Still Beauty. 
which brings rejuvenation and relaxation right into your own home. I cannot recommend them highly enough. I have been lucky enough to be touched by the magic hands of Joey herself on numerous occasions. And this is why we have chosen her to be a part of our Sharing is Caring segment today. Just to give a little bit of background on her, she launched her Still Beauty business in 2014 and has since built a reputation as one of Australia's leading remedial massage and beauty entrepreneurs. She's one of those types that has always had a really entrepreneurial spirit. I actually remember around the time I first met her, we've been friends for many, many years, sort of in the late high school days, she had started making jewellery with her girlfriend, um, which they soon... T- <laughs> I love that. Yeah, which they soon turned into a pretty successful business. And, you know, they had this whole setup in the spare room in their apartment and they were super confident about it and... You know, she's just one of those people that has, yeah, an extremely entrepreneurial spirit. But she's since found her calling in massage therapy. And my God, like I said, she has the most magic hands. Um, she now has a team of about four or five other practitioners and and a totally thriving business. She also has a lot of pregnant and postnatal clients and she puts a real focus and energy into nurturing these phases for women. So we thought this was a really great one to share with you guys today. I have so much more to say about her, but let's just hear it straight from her. So Joey Beecher, here she is. Hi, Joey. We are so pleased to have you with us today for a super special edit of our Sharing is Caring segment, especially for our very first episode back for season two. So a huge warm Welcome to you. It's so wonderful to see your beautiful face. How are you going? Well, thanks for having me. And I'm really pumped you guys are doing season two. I have literally listened to every episode, even though I don't have a child. So for people out there that don't have kids, it's actually a really good listen. Nice. Just informing yourself, ready, ready for that that stage comes. Exactly. For when I have children. (laughs) Yes. I love that. Now, Joey, there's multiple reasons why we've chosen to highlight yourself and your business today, and we will get into learning more about Still Beauty in a minute, but as you know, we've been discussing my experience with grief in this episode today, and we just wanted to start by acknowledging that you lost your beautiful mother last year, and we're truly sorry for your loss and sending so much love to you. Thank you. I really appreciate it, and I mean right back at you, Kate. I've been thinking about you so much ever since you lost your dad and I just, I really feel for you because <laughs> it's awful. Thank you, beautiful. So I know firsthand that grief is very much something that is experienced differently for every individual, but I'd really be interested to know what are some of the things that you've found personally to be beneficial or sort of helpful for yourself during this difficult time. Yeah. I mean, God, that's such a big question. It was because I lost my mum a year ago. It was sort of around this time last year during COVID. So it was a really weird time to lose someone going into Mm. lockdowns. And I feel like at the time I really liked not being able to see anyone and not being overwhelmed. I mean, Kate, with your dad in the public eye, like that just must have been, I felt overwhelmed with the messages and the letters and the flowers and the lasagnas, like so many lasagnas. (laughs) (laughs) And it just, you know, it's, it's quite overwhelming and also so beautiful at the same time with all of the support. So I feel like when we lost mum, it was quite a strange 
moment because we couldn't actually see anyone. But as time went on, I, yeah, just the support from people around you and people still acknowledging, even now, like because of COVID and because we hadn't been able to see people, we just had mum's one year memorial. So it was the first time that all of her best friends and my family, like, you know, extended family, got to actually grieve when we had a memorial for her. And it was really beautiful and really powerful because we didn't actually get to experience that. So, yeah, I'm still finding as time goes on, I actually enjoy when people still talk to me about it and ask questions and tell me their memories of my mom and all those sorts of things. So, yeah, I think the support from community and family has been something I've really needed and and I think I still want that going on. Like I just don't want her to be forgotten. I think that's a bit of a fear of mine and it's not happening, so don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Saying Soph and I were talking about this a little bit earlier but it is so important to kind of keep the conversation going and keep like the memories alive and keep talking about, you know, for me, my dad and for you, your mum in such a kind of difficult time, it, in some ways it does bring a little bit of comfort because I feel people do, so certain people feel uncomfortable to kind of bring it up or acknowledge it. But, you know, it is a nice feeling when someone does. Well, for me, I find, you know, when they do ask me about it. It's interesting that you mentioned that, Joey, because we literally were talking about that. And I had asked Kate exactly that question. How are you feeling about not just like your close friends and family, but just, you know, people on the street or acquaintances asking you about it. Is that comforting or is that a nice thing or is it the opposite? And Kate said exactly the same thing. A lot of what I've read and from what friends who have also lost loved ones have told me is, you know, the grief doesn't get any easier, but you do learn to live with it better over time. What are your sort of thoughts on this, Joe? <laughs> it was so interesting as, as time went on, I'd be like, it's been three months, you know, like I should, I, I was never saying I should be okay, but I kept thinking three months was a long time and six months was a long time and eight months. And then I got to the one year, I'm like, oh, you know, like it's, it's been a year now. Like I shouldn't, I never thought that I shouldn't be grieving as much as I like have been or as sad, but you realize it's only been a year. And as time goes on, the days do get easier and the shock of it gets less but then you really feel the time and you still just miss them. And that's something that's never going to go away. So time always helps everything, but you know, you're never going to stop. You're never going to stop grieving. I mean, I don't think I will, and I'm never going to obviously stop missing her. Um, but you can have conversations like, Kate, I think you're incredible three months in talking about this. I think I was still locked away in, in lockdown, only talking to like a few of my best friends. So you know, it's pretty amazing that you can get out here and speak about it. And I, I think it's really good that we do have these conversations so that, you know, even when Soph and I had a conversation at a baby shower a few weeks ago, and, you know, I was saying it is nice to talk to people. I hadn't seen Soph in a year and a half and she'd heard about mum and she asked about it and then I was asking about you and it's just, I don't know, it just kind of keeps them, keeps the conversations happening and, yeah, the memory of them there and, you know, I said to you in your message, Kate, the text message I sent you, like, keep telling your daughters all the stories. Like, I don't have kids, but my little nephew, Billy, he's like our whole world. And he just tells the funniest stories about my mom and like how she'd always sneak in chocolate and all these little dances and stuff. And every time he does it, we just laugh. And it's all those like really happy, positive memories of her. And I think that's what will keep it going as well. 
it's so nice from hearing it from my girl's perspective and even Lulu who's two, like she'll just make funny comments about Papa and my older daughter Nina, obviously she will, you know, she'll be able to have more of a conversation about it. But at the start I was finding that really difficult but now I am sort of seeing the humour in it when it's a funny story and it is kind of, you know, making my heart feel a little bit warm when they do to talk about him. So that is important, I think, to keep the conversation going. I know I've said that a few times, but it's important. Mm, no, I think that's such a nice rem- reminder, especially like from a almost like an ignorant point of view of children to, yeah, just talk about the happy times and, and make you have a laugh and make you think about things through the perspective of their sort of young eyes. I think that's a great, great way to look at it. Great reminder. So tell us the story, Joey, of how you got Still Beauty off the ground. So I'll firstly tell you Still Beauty is a mobile massage business. So I'm a remedial massage therapist and I've got four incredible therapists that work with me. And when we're not in lockdown, we drive around Melbourne (laughs) and go into people's homes and yeah, just tailored massages to all the clients. We've got a lot of um, pregnant clients, a lot of mums with babies that are sleeping. So then the mum or the dad can have a massage. And the whole massage thing for me came up about 10 years ago. It was all very random, but my mum was very on board and helped me pay for my school fees because she was really passionate about massage. And so as I was studying, she... Like she was just passionate about you massaging her? Me massaging yeah. her. So <laughs> as I was studying, she was always my guinea pig. And I feel like she really helped me become a really good therapist because she had massages her whole life and you know she set the bar really high and she's always like oh no not like that you've got to do this bit oh and the older women definitely love the hips and like all these different honest feedback for you really Really honest honest feedback feedback. so I think I was quite lucky to have her and then when I launched Still Beauty which was almost seven years ago now my mum was definitely like my PR agent she, because it's a word of mouth business because we go to people's homes. Mum was just out and about telling literally everybody. <laughs> so <laughs> That's like your dad too, Kate, at the podcast. Any little opportunity, no matter how random, yeah. we'd, I'd be like, God, oh, that was random. And he'd be so proud to tell me, today, yeah. guess what I did? Or guess who I told about the podcast? Like, oh, God. You're like, it's embarrassing, but so good because we need their help. <laughs> yeah. So why massage therapy in people's homes, Joey? The idea came because I was living in London and I worked at a day spa and a lot of the, everybody in London's very busy and a lot of the people there were getting mobile massages on top of going to day spas. So then I started doing a couple of home visits. I'll need to add, I didn't have a car back then. So I was carrying a table on the tube and walking and getting on buses. Oh my God. Which was just around London (gasps) in the snow. Um, But I was just so excited because I could earn a lot more money than eight pounds an hour at the day spa. And so then, yeah, one of my clients over there, she was starting up a mobile beauty business in London and I watched it grow over about a year. And then I just said, that's what I want to do when I go home. You know, I always encourage my clients, go to the day spas, like go to all those places because it is such a different experience. But when you just want a massage and you're a bit time or you've got kids at home or there's all these different scenarios plus we give really good massages it's not just the convenience <laughs> of it the whole concept is genius yeah and as a, and as therapists to get a break in between treating has kept me going 
for a lot longer because um, you're not stuck in a room massaging, massaging, massaging. So, you know, you do the massage, you pack up, you jump in your car, you can get on the phone, get a coffee, have a little breather and then go to the next client's house. Um, so that kind of suited my lifestyle as well, which was good. Can you come here right now? I know. went in lockdown. <laughs> So you mentioned before that you treat a lot of pregnant and postpartum women, which is amazing. And I was lucky enough to have a visit from you not long after Honey was born and had some of the pleasure of your magic hands because you are absolutely amazing. <laughs> I, I can honestly say you have given me some of the best massages that I've ever had. And some of the pressure points and even just the prompts that you encouraged during the massage really like transported me back to some of the parts from my birth experience. And then, of course, like you really healed some of the physical soreness I had as well at the time. So what's your approach to these clients? You know, I take a lot of women through their pregnancies and then they have their babies. And as you know, labor can be anything, cesareans, natural, whatever. Um, but whatever it is, your your body goes through like quite a process. And so afterwards, some people like to wait a bit, but some people, are, you know, I think only was a week when I saw you. It was really early on or two weeks or something. Yeah, it was really early on. Yeah, and I was so tender, and <laughs> you would have been so still. You would have been so sore still in so many different places. But that's what I mean. Like the way you approached it, and the way that you treated me was just like it was. Um, it was quite an, an experience. It was amazing. Yeah, and because your body holds on a lot after you give birth, so the touch with the massage, and I always just intuitively follow what's going on, but a lot of it, it's just to actually just be able to let go, like, you know, when you take a breath and just drop your shoulders, massage just helps you do that, and also you're exhausted and you're tired and you can close your eyes for an hour, an hour and a half without the baby, but yeah, it's definitely a different experience for everyone. You know, even clients with cesareans, they just lay on their back the whole time and we can massage and, you know, they it's obviously like walking can be quite difficult for them. And it's always tailored. Massage is always tailored to, to whatever's happened and what's going on and what you're feeling in the moment. So Soph and I have been talking a lot about our general health and well-being, and that's something that we're going to continue throughout season two of Talking in Common. How can regular massage sort of help contribute to our general health and well-being? It depends on your lifestyle and what you're doing and what you want to use it for. If you're super sporty and, you you know, your muscles are tight and you just want to massage out all the um, lactic acid and, you know, you can use it for that. And then obviously you've probably got a lot of mums and pregnant women listening to this and just the support while you're pregnant of massage just even for circulation and, you know, muscle release and joint release. A lot of my clients, they may not have had massage through one pregnancy and done it in the next pregnancy and they obviously haven't been pregnant so I can't compare, but they've said how much of a difference it's made on their body just to be able to move and relax a little bit more. But then there's also, you know, the mindfulness of it and to be able to switch off. I really encourage people to not talk when they get a massage. Some people really struggle with that, which is fine. I'm happy to have a chat as well. Yeah, I'm not I'm not into um, a chat during a massage. I love the like quiet peacefulness of it. I mean with you it's a little bit different, but Exactly. Well, because you switch off. Exactly. Joey, thank you so much for chatting with us today. We 
really appreciate you giving us your time and hope to catch up with you very soon when we are allowed out of our homes and we can see each other in person. That'll be lovely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, guys. It was so nice to chat. Thanks, Joey. Take care. Bye. That's it for today. Make sure you head to incommonprojects.com.au for the show notes. Hit subscribe on your podcast app and follow us on Instagram at Talking In Common. Or you can check out our Facebook page, which is also Talking In Common. Have a lovely day and as always, thanks for listening. Thank you.